want to thank everybody who has served our country um, and, and those of you that have had family members who have served our country. It's just such a privilege and an honor. I, I still believe that we live in the greatest country ever. And, and, and sometimes we, we just, sometimes we forget the sacrifice that was made uh, so we could live free. And, it, and it's always good to be reminded of the sacrifice that the men and women that went before us and that really believed and created a nation that was free. Amen. And so, uh, man, what a, what a great video uh, that was to remind us. And so, uh, man, I want to welcome everybody to church today. My name is Andrew. If you don't know me, I'm the lead pastor here. Uh, I want to thank everybody that's watching us online this morning. Thank you so much for tuning in and staying connected to Passionate Life Church. Uh, today, we have an awesome guest speaker today. Uh, some of you ha have heard him speak before. He's an amazing communicator. His name is Pastor Mike. He is a great friend to me and my wife. Uh, his wife, Nicole, many of you guys know his wife, Nicole. Some of you are actually doing a life group based on her devotional. Uh, man, I want to encourage you, sign up for one of our life groups today. We have uh, lots of different options. Uh, this church is all about community and staying connected to one another and also God. And so uh, today, man, Mike, it, man, first service was amazing. Second service is going to be even better. It's the extended version. Come on, you made it to church today. You might as well, Matt, you might as well enjoy it. Come on, let's give him the best Passionate Life Church welcome. The entire army was silent. Swords were sharpened. Chariots were mounted. Warriors were ready to ambush, and they'd all vigorously trained for a day just like this one. They plotted the course of their enemy. They watched this Israelite king, and they planned a point of attack on his route back to camp. But as often has happened before, the, the army that was about to walk to the ambush point seemed more ready than normal. See, this Aramean army had wanted to take over the land of the Israelites for quite some time. But each time they, they planned this moment to attack and overtake them, it seemed like there was an informant. There was someone tipping off the king. Which you can imagine, like 2 Kings 6.11 says, that the king was enraged. This enraged the king of Aram. He summoned his officers and demanded of them, tell me which of us is on the side of the king of Israel? In other words, who's the informer? Who's this rat that's been telling the enemy my secret? None of us, my lord, the king, said one of the officers. But Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the very words you speak in your bedroom. <laughs> Go find out where he is, the king ordered, so I can send men and capture him. So the report goes out and it comes back. Elisha is in Dothan. So he sent horses and chariots and a strong force there. They went by night and surrounded the city. And there they waited for daybreak to capture and kill this informant of Israel named Elisha. They're, they're around the city now. They've gathered their forces. They're hoping to finally defeat the king of Israel. Get this. Verse 15. When Elisha's servant, the servant of the man of God, got up that morning stepped outside the tent and looked around. He saw, he says, um, 
went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. <laughs> oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? Elisha's servant asked. So he walks out and he's officially panicking at this point. He's terrified. He's looking around. He sees the hill full with battle-scarred warriors ready to attack, chariots, everything's there. And it's him and Elisha and he knows this small city and he's terrified. Goes to Elisha. He says, man, the forces of Aram are all around us. We're surrounded. We're outnumbered. What could we possibly do now? It's over for us. Elisha says something that honestly would have sounded really idiotic in this moment. Would have been a little, little crazy, which I like a little crazy, don't you? He says something that's a little crazy. First, he starts with don't be afraid, which is kind of a ridiculous statement in itself, but that's not even what I'm talking about. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them, which would have made zero sense. I picture Elisha saying this to the servant. And the servant kind of being like, what are you talking about, man? Like, I know Dothan. These are farmers. They have pitchforks. They're not armed. They're not ready. They're not even awake yet. I got up early, bro. This is not the fight that you think we're going to win. He said, I know these guys. And even if they were ready, they wouldn't be fighting with us. We just strolled in here. And Elisha then continues. He prays kind of a ridiculous prayer. And it wasn't for something that would have been, in our eyes, very wise. What would have been wise on our standards would have been to pray for more troops, <laughs> would have been to pray for like Hulk strength, it would have been to pray for uh, peace or for an earthquake or something else to happen. What he prays is something I want us to lean into. Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord. Talking about his servant, God, would you, hey, servant, I know what you see, I know that it's terrifying, right? God, would you just open his eyes real quick? Would you just let him see what I know to be true? Open his eyes, Lord, that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes, the servant's eyes, and he looked, and now he sees that the hills are full of horses, and not just chariots, but I like this, chariots of blazing fire, right, surrounding all of them. And you got to know, the army that was there a minute ago looked intimidating until this showed up. Angels are pretty bad dudes, right? They're decked out with swords. We know like there's some that have flaming swords. We know like one angel is like a legion of a thousand. I mean, it's just ridiculous the amount of the army that was now around them. Elisha simply prayed that his servant would get a glimpse into this spiritual realm, that he would get a glimpse of what, what we don't typically see. And when he did, he realized that God's angel jacked up warriors were everywhere and they were way more intimidating because now the puny army that's around them, I bet the, if it's me, I'm like, this is crazy, but I bet the servant is kind of like chuckling at this point, like, this is going to be awesome. Let's get the popcorn, right? It had been this moment of like, now it's our turn. You guys came on our turf? Oh, I, and I, I wonder if he's me, I'd have been like, now bowed up, right? I'd have been like, yeah, let's go. Man, that's me. That's the, anyway. But now these two men would not be facing this army or waging this war alone which is so often how we fight, isn't it? Now that they realize that there's a battle going on around them, that God was on their side, and there's so much more to this story. Go back and read Second Kings on your own. Maybe tonight, maybe tomorrow as you start your time in the Word. This is maybe the story you go back and look at and just watch God's hand in their life, God's power. I, I remember reading this story. I was like, man, there's so much here to unpack. I'm just going to say, go run with the rest of this story. It's powerful. It's one of my favorites in Scripture. But here's the truth. 
This story is powerful to me because there, the, the truth that I find from it is that there is so much more going on than what we can see. There's a whole world around us that we have no clue that's happening. Unless we're alert to it, our eyes are open to it. And that's honestly what I'm just hoping to do today. But before we jump, keep jumping into it, I should introduce myself. I started like right in the middle of the movie there. Um, my name is Mike. I love this church. I love your pastors and your team. Uh, the long story short of it is uh, I didn't have a lot of people to talk to early in ministry uh, for like the first decade or 12 years of people I could uh, really share some of the burden with. And your lovely pastors came alongside my wife and I uh, just a couple of years ago and kind of pushed us all in and said, nope, go all in on God, go all in on the ministry, stay in the game. And so I thank you guys for leading me, leading your church. You guys have incredible pastors. It's a joy to be here today. I should talk about this. This is my family. I skipped this first service. So I, thankfully, I, you guys record the first one, don't you? Never mind. I was going to say my wife didn't know I didn't talk about him. This is my wife, Nicole. You guys, probably some of you know her. We got three kiddos, a uh, teenager in the house, 14 years old. Uh, my son, Jesse, over here is 12. Our daughter, Hallelujah, is nine. We get to spend the summer with her. Our boys are going, we're shipping them off. We're going to grandma's house for their, like a month and a half. It's the way to parent. No, just kidding. Um, but I love this story in 2 Kings. Elisha is such a man of God, and he challenges things, boundaries that I don't even think to cross. He crosses them and then some. Uh, does some crazy things in Scripture. But I want us to hear it again, that there is so much going on in our world and in your life that we don't even see. It's the battle of the unseen realm around us. 2 Chronicles 10, 3 and 4 says this. For though we live in this world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have, everybody say it with me, divine power to demolish strongholds. Now, obviously, we live in a world where all that we see are the things we can physically see, hear, taste, smell, touch, buy, uh, experience, right? All of those things in the physical world around us. That's what we can see. That's all we can see. What we don't see is the spirit world, where there is an active, very serious war waging on a regular basis for our soul, for our life. It's the kingdom of heaven versus the kingdom of darkness, right? The armies of God versus the armies of the, the enemy, the devil. And we're in this fight. It's, it's, it's literally hell fighting for us and, and heaven fighting against it. And they're standing in the gap for us. But 2 Corinthians, I like this picture. If we're going to engage in this spiritual battle, we don't do it with the weapons of this world. So we're not doing it with guns. We're not even uh, doing it with bombs or ARs or tanks. Not even my personal favorite, nunchucks, right? Which would just be a blast. How many of you guys grew up on Ninja Turtles? Anybody? My name happens to be Mike slash Michelangelo. Mikey, as my dad. What's up, Mikey? My, my dad was hilarious in embellishing this fantasy in my life that I would be a Ninja Turtle. And I remember having like the, did anybody, okay, hand up. Did anybody have a pair of the foam nunchucks? Anybody? I see a couple hands. I love the 11 o'clock, whatever service this is, the second service. It's fantastic. Uh, I remember sitting in my room and like just whipping those things around and like me and nunchucks taking on the world. Um, but that was my childhood. It was a blast. Um, we can't fight with the weapons of this world. But we do have, you said it with me, divine power. God-given divine spirit power to obliterate, to demolish the strongholds in our life. You all have it. God is available. And the way we activate that divine power is it starts with prayer. And I love seeing your prayer team come up. I love seeing 
people do business with God right here in your response time. It's at the moment where we're saying, God, I got nothing. You're everything. I come to you. I offer it up. I ask your forgiveness, God. Would you work in my life, work through my life? It's a powerful moment. It starts with prayer activated by faith. Man, it, 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 it's the weapon we have. It's the word of God. We'll talk about it later. Not even, we'll just barely touch the surface of the armor of God. I'm not even going to lean into it, but the, the one, you guys ever think about this, in all the armor of God, we have all these defensive things to like watch out for the fiery darts of the evil one. The one weapon we have, the, the take offense back, take ground back is the word of God. So for anybody battling in here today, like keep the armor up, but realize you can actually take ground back, ground that you thought was gone in your life. You can fight through the word of God, through memorizing scripture, hiding it in your heart. You can take back the ground. You can start today. But we activate it through those things. Now, with, uh, I always like talking about the spiritual realm because it can seem kind of spooky. So if you invited a friend today, I apologize. I want you to know the snakes I'll be handling later aren't even that poisonous, you know, uh, and they'll be primarily up on stage. So, no, that's not going to happen. Um, but there is this feeling like when we talk about like the Holy Spirit or the spiritual realm or like angels and demons, there's like this, ooh, isn't that just supposed to be some creepy movie? Like, surely that's not real. Surely we don't talk about that. And I think that's part of the battle plan of the evil one is to keep us thinking that's all just for weirdos and cracks and, you know, all these different things out there. And I've just come to believe that um, the, the, the people who assume that there's an enemy, he's unseen, there's a spiritual fight, that people look at people like me that believe that and go, man, you're deceived, you're just uninformed, you're actually, I would call you a fool to believe that. And I've just come to believe it. it's the other way around. Anyone who doesn't realize there's a real enemy uh, fighting for your soul, fighting for your life, trying to break your life apart, uh, anybody that doesn't think there's a spiritual realm between evil and, and heaven and there's a fight happening is, is the one that's been deceived and duped and confused. And so uh, I, I want us to lean in today and just realize there's a lot more going on around us than what we can see. And if, if you miss everything else today, I want you to grab that truth. There's a lot more going on in my world. There's a bigger fight than I even realized. And so um, even though all the things that we can see and can experience is, is what we feel like matters, there's something more. There's what we're talking about today. It's this invisible war. So I want you to do this. Picture a war scene with me. In fact, we helped you out this morning. We got a picture. I love the movies Braveheart and Patriot. Uh, this is Braveheart. Picture a battle scene, right? You got two opposing forces on both sides of the field, and they're marching in order. They're shouting. They're rallying up. They're doing all this stuff. They're coming to the battle line. Somebody's shouting across the field. Maybe there's two advocates going across, whatever this is, and uh, the war begins. Like, like you got Braveheart. You got Patriot. The gun starts shooting. Bombs start blowing up trenches, cavalry's charging, it's intense, you see smoke, clouds, and dust everywhere, and then picture somebody dressed just like me, with a big old pair of beats on my head, scrolling Instagram, jamming to my favorite tune, walking right down the middle, like, I got this feeling down in my, you know, just strutting through the field, right? Can you imagine being in the trenches like 20 feet from me, going like, what is happening? Like, this is ridiculous. Guys, we don't have cameras yet, because it's the 80s or 1900s, whatever this is, but get your camera out. This guy's about to get blown a bit. You'd be shouting like, how are you so blind? You're about to die. Like, guys, this is ridiculous. How is he so unaware? But do you see it? Essentially, without knowing it, this is how we walk through our day. There is this battle raging, and we're just content. 
to stay up on the Joneses, to look at the next cool highlight reel of somebody else's life who's probably really struggling on the inside, but we just scroll it. And I'm all for it. I'm all for staying connected through social media. I'm not down it. We use it. It's a God-given tool in many ways that we can use for his glory. But there's so many things that just numb us to the reality of the fight that's happening for your life. And we just strut through life or even struggle through life without any awareness. So today I'm hoping to break that just, just a little bit. To wake us up just a little bit. See, when it comes to these spiritual realms, these spiritual realities, that you got to know the Bible takes so seriously. Like, it's, 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 it's a big deal in the Bible. When it comes to these spiritual realms, you got to determine where you stand. you got to determine what you believe. Either this stuff exists or it doesn't. Either it's a joke or it's absolutely true. And if it's true, man, it's time to wake up. I challenge myself with this on a regular basis. i got to wake up to the truth of this fight. So much of Scripture and so many of the teachings of Jesus show us that we have a very real enemy with it. He's got his own army of evil angels that are on the prowl, on the attack, and he's known by many names. You've got probably one of the, the more meaningful names of the enemy to me, because I think this is what I deal with the most, is the accuser. Right? How often, I mean, I often, I should just say it, that won't even ask you, I often feel very not good enough, very disqualified, uh, very sin-filled, very like, God, why would you ever use me? Like, he knows my past, he knows my current, he knows my struggles, he knows where I'm weak, he knows how often I don't ask forgiveness, and I just keep repeating the same stupid sins, and he he knows these things about me, God, and, and the accuser loves when I start talking to myself like that, right? When I, that self-doubt and, and all that, he knows, he, he'll feed that fire all day long, because he knows that that'll just keep me out of the game, keep me from asking, I could talk about this all day long, but he's known as the accuser, he's known as our adversary, the great serpent, the dragon, such a descriptor word there, like high, flying high, looking for prey, consuming fire, all this stuff, known as the devil, one thing is for certain. Satan is no joke to Jesus. Jesus actually takes him pretty seriously, even though he's got the victory over him, which is what we're talking about. Jesus is constantly pointing out his reality. He calls him the Lord of this world, at least for now, right? Paul talks about him. He says he's the prince over the power of the air. Listen to what the devil actually says about his own power when he's taking Jesus up onto that high mountain and showing him the, you know, the, the, the world and tempting him to sin. Luke chapter 4, it says, the devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world, which I can't really picture that. Like, I, I can't even think of a movie knowing how to do it. Like, just the world, I don't know if it came into full zoom. I kind of picture, like, the Mufasa moment here, where it's like, standing up on pride, about, everything the light touches is our kingdom. Like, I don't know if it was that. I don't know if it was like, nah! I don't know what the moment happened. But what I know is that Jesus is up on this mountain with, with the devil, and they're talking, and they're interacting, and it seems crazy, but he says this. He shows them all the kingdoms of the world in an instant, and he says to them, I will give you all their authority and all their splendor. You can't give away something you don't have, which means these areas were already entrenched in Satan's devices, already part of his plan, already being used as a tool. He says, I will give you all their authority and all their splendor, Jesus. It has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. You worship me, it will all be yours. He is a powerful and cunning enemy. And I don't know, uh, it sounds very clear to Jesus. He knew he couldn't try to just trick him. He knew 
He had to just tell it like it is. I'm going to give you everything. You worship me. To us today, it sounds a little different. Maybe it's, hey, you can cheat on your taxes. That's just a small thing. Hey, it's, it just, it's just looking. You didn't, you didn't take any action. Lusting is no big deal. You just looked. You didn't, nobody's hurt. Maybe it's, it's a pride thing. Maybe it's you deserve more at work, and so you should start taking it. Maybe it's you should, yeah, I can leave early. I work my tail off. This guy's lazy. Well, I mean, so many little temptations, and it's like, hey, if you just put God on the back burner and start elevating self and pleasure and pursuits and reputation, you just pursue those things. Life's going to be pretty good. I'll give it all to you, Mike. I'll give it all to you guys. You just got you just got to Stop worshiping him with your life. Stop sacrificing your finances to be a part of his mission. Stop, stop serving. Stop being a part of a life group. Stop seeking accountability. You stop those things and you come, you won't even know it, but you'll be worshiping me because you're just wasting your life. See, he wants to destroy you in any way he can. 1 Peter 5.8 cautions us. There's times in life we need to be challenged. There's times in life we need to be encouraged. We get cautioned in 1 Peter. He says, be alert. Be of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Not just even nibble at, right? Not just like, ah, oh, man, I've been fighting lately. It's been rough. I feel like I just got beat up a little bit. I heard somebody say that to me before service today. Man, I just feel like I'm getting beat up lately. That's the start of what he wants to do. He wants to straight devour you. And here's the deal. He's, he knows he's already lost the war, Right? Our God has already pronounced victory over the enemy. There's no turning back from that, but he knows it. He knows it. And he knows he can't touch God. He can't beat up the father, but he can hurt his kids. That's how you get at a dad that you can't touch. You hurt his kids. You you go after his family, and that's you. That's me. Satan has put his venomous hate on you and me and our families and the things that matter to the heart of God, which... If you haven't heard it yet, it's you. You matter to the heart of God. He gave his son Jesus to die in your place. You matter. Your story, your struggle, you're not alone. It matters to God. It matters to Jesus. But he's walking around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. He wants to devour your marriage. Satan loves divorce. He loves to plant a root of bitterness inside of you guys and and break down your communication to the point where you don't even bother apologizing when you've been kind of a jerk or when you've been uh, uh, interrupting or defensive or uh, picking at each other or saying, oh, you never do this or you're always like this. When we start that kind of destructive communication, Satan just I just picture him like backing up like my work here is done. They can take it on from here. They got the rest of this. They're going to fall apart because they don't forgive. They don't offer up grace. They're not working toward their marriage. They're not even talking to God about this. They're just trying to do this on their own. I got them now. And he wants you to believe it's over, that you're too far gone. But he just, he's done my work. Let's find the next one. He wants to devour your marriage. He wants to devour your impact and your testimony. And I want you to hear this, because it's, it's, I've always kind of thought, like, man, you know, I'm in ministry, so I, I got to stay away from, like, these five big sins. If these five big things would disqualify me. And, and I, I think wisdom and life and whatever and struggles have just taught me, it's not necessarily the big things. You don't wake up one day and be like, man, I'm going to be an alcoholic. I want to ruin my marriage with adultery. You don't think that, but what you do is small compromises, right? You just start giving in a little thoughts like, man, I, I should have more. I deserve more, right? You start cheating on things. You start cutting corners. You start finding ways to get more, to feed the beast inside of you, that, the pleasure. Oh, man, you know, I, I'm not being really taken care of at home. So maybe when I go to the gym, I'll just start uh, working out and looking for anybody that's making eye contact. And I'll just enjoy a little bit of attention because I'm not getting it at home. 
Or maybe it's with a coworker. You know, this guy's a jerk, so um, I'm going to avoid him, and I'm going to try to get his spot. He's a, he's a boss of mine, and so I'm going to talk bad about it. Like, I don't know where your struggle is, but I know that Satan is on the prowl to ruin your impact, and he's going to do it through small little choices, one after the next, that lure you away into a big life sin that can ruin your testimony, that can ruin impact. And ultimately for me, those small little things are the things that I find start stacking up, whether it's pride or impatience with my kids or whether I you know, start doing it on my own. Or I can just think of all the different patterns that are in my life that I constantly have to wrestle with. And what happens is I wrestle with them for such a time that they become part of who I am. Like, man, God, I, coming to you again, two o'clock in the day, I just came to you at 11, same sin, same struggle. And we try to stay on that ask forgiveness train, but when it's daily, you just kind of fall off the map and be like, you know, I'm tired of coming to you with this, God. This is, and you, you start to live in the defeat when you were born for victory. I told this to the first service. I have, there's like two verses that I've quoted more than any other scripture. One of them is 1 John 1, 9. It's a promise. I claim it all the time. Whenever I feel like I can't come to God with this forgiveness and asking his, you know, to, to overlook my, my sin and cleanse me, it's this. If we confess our sins, He's faithful, which means he'll always do it, to uh, forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Not just like, hey, you're good. Me and you, like, I forgive you. We're okay. He cleanses me then from all the unrighteousness. That's a promise to claim. So offer it up to God. But he wants to devour your marriage. He wants to devour your impact. He wants to devour your kids. Man, our kids are watching this. If there's any students in the room, man, uh, Satan has it after you, parents. Uh, We've got three, as I showed you earlier. I know they're after my kids, and my kids are watching me. They're watching my response or my gentleness or my lack of gentleness with my wife. They're watching how I spend time in the Word or not, or if they see me doing other things with my time in the morning, or if I'm constantly focused on just, oh, I just want to relax. I just want to watch Netflix tonight. They watch the moments I'm engaging with God and where they don't. They hear me pray or they hear me don't pray. They're watching me, and here's the thing. The devil wants to get your kids hooked on, whether it's drugs, popularity, identity in the wrong places, pornography, uh, money. He wants them to be hungering for things that aren't of God. He wants them to hunger after self and more of it. And that's where we stand in the gap. Not just parents, leaders, friends, family. You know, we stand in the gap with each other's families, right? We are a tribe. We stick together. It's called the church. We rise up around each other. And so if there's some students in your life, stand in the gap with them. When they fail, this is one of the, we've had some great people teach us this in our life, and we've been able to carry this out now that we have teenagers. So I have, you know, two sons and a daughter. Our sons, we talk about uh, lust, pornography. We talk about these things from, from like literally eight years old up. My, my son had a terrible experience on the bus and heard a bunch of things in the wrong way. And so that started the journey of us having really open conversations about what the beauty of what God designed within marriage. And we started having these conversations. And now, so th- maybe this is a tip for a parent. If your kid actually trusts you one time to open up to something they did, something they tried, something they looked at, and they c- bring it to you. Don't go, oh, how could you? Don't freak out. They're looking if it's a safe place to open up because they really know they want somebody to talk with and process this with. Uh, if, they don't, if they don't get it from you, they're going to go to their, their kid, the kid on the bus, the fifth or sixth grader or whatever it is for them, ninth, tenth, twelfth, greater. And they're going to find wrong truth, lies from someone else when they could find it from you with grace and say, son, daughter, I'm so sorry that, that the enemy tricked you into thinking that this was, this was good. There's a time where this will be good. And it's worth waiting. For. I mean, we could talk purity. We could talk drugs. We could talk a lot of things. Be ready to receive it. Parents, be on guard. Stuff's going to come. Be a friend and, a, and, a, and an influence in their life that leads them to Christ, not to the consequence that they're already going to feel with shame and guilt and regret. They're going to run from God. 
Be the father, be the mom that runs to them and says, son, daughter, come here. I got you. Let's walk through this together. Don't let them devour your family. Don't let them devour your kids. Be alert. Be checked into the battle because ultimately he wants to destroy your life. So here's the question. This is the awareness that we're awakening ourselves to today. The question is, how then do I start engaging in the spiritual fight? And there's lots of great steps I could give you. I'm sure, I, I know you guys did the do not be shaken. Uh, you guys have some great speakers lately. Andrew's been bringing the word. Um, you guys have heard some of probably the tools on how to engage. Today, the first thing, I'm kind of like almost backtracking for maybe what you've been hearing the last few weeks. It's be aware. Be alert. Don't settle into the, I got this. You know, whatever. Don't settle into just strolling, apathetically drifting. Be tuned in. Be checked in. Finally, brothers, it says in Ephesians 6.10, be strong in the Lord. And whose mighty power? His. God's power. We got nothing on our own. I think when we realize, man, I can't do this alone. I mean, this is where small groups, this is where serving on a team, you start to build some camaraderie and a family and people you can be real. This is where those things are so strong. But not just that. It's like, first, before that, is I got to realize I can't do this alone or even just with the people in my life. I've got to lean into God's power. That's where it says that's where strongholds are demolished. It's when we tap into divine power. Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. That's a crazy thought because I'm pretty self-sufficient. There's some of you in this room that are like, there's not a whole lot I haven't tried that I could probably do. Jesus got, you got nothing without me. You, you want to fight against an invisible enemy who uses weapons you're not using, who who has such power and influence and can tempt you, and there's a sin nature already. Like, you want to fight that on your own? You think you've got, you think you've got some, some weapons to bring to this? You don't on your own. Jesus is our power. The spirit within us is our access. And so we finally said, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Again, I told you, I'm not going to talk about the armor this morning, I'm trying to awaken us to let you realize you're in a fight. I don't know about you. Has anyone, I mean, back in, I remember I got in a fight in third grade and I got in one in sixth grade. The sixth grade one, I was like trying to talk the kid out of it. Right? Like, we don't want to fight. I was like, I've seen you run on the track. We're in gym class together. Like, I'm, I wrestle with my older brothers all the time. Don't fight me. I remember it was the weirdest fight ever. I won't talk about that one. It just sparked a fun memory. Third grade, though, I remember getting in a fight and it's because I didn't know the fight was coming. I don't remember what I did now. I could make up a few things that would sound really cool. I'm not going to do that. But I apparently caused some kid to get really mad at me where he wanted to fight. And I remember we were at recess. I was under the side. We were playing like capture the flag or groundies or whatever they played back then. And we're sitting there. I'm on the side. And I just get haymakers right in the back of the head. I just face planted into the mulch. I remember like getting up and like, what just happened? Like the tears. And you're trying to say like you got allergies. Like I mean, the kid just jacked me into the dirt. I stood up and like sat there and he's like, you know, he was yelling at me and I was like, I was confused. I was fuzzy. It couldn't register what happened. I didn't know I was in a fight. I got dropped fast. If you don't know you're in a fight, you're not going to stand for very long. We got to be aware. That's our first step today. That's how we fight this battle. So we got to be wondering what the enemy is doing. Well, he's, while we're tuning out, he's scheming. While we're going through our day on our own strength, he's plotting how he can devour us and anything God's love. So he's constantly plotting against us, trying to trip us up and trap us in sin. So be alert. And I want to give you a tool for today. Something I've done in seasons of my life when I realize I'm, I'm not as close to God as I once was, or I'm not being the husband or father that I know I'm called to be. 
I start to say, okay, what are the areas of my life where I feel like I'm weak right now? What are the areas in my life, we'll use the word strongholds. What are the strongholds that are in me right now that I've kind of given the enemy some room just to kind of hang around where I keep falling back into these same sins? What are those areas in your life? What are the things that you just keep falling back into? You got to identify and realize that is something that Satan has been crafting for quite some time. He's been trying to keep you locked in there and scheming against you. 2 Timothy 2.26, Paul describes his hope for the unbelievers, that they would do this. He says, and that they will come to their senses. We're talking about having our eyes opened, right? Paul's praying this over unbelievers, that they would have their eyes open, that they would come to their senses and escape from what? The trap of the devil who has taken them captive, not to do God's will that we want to do, but to do his will, to do the devil's will. Now, that's scary to me, that we can fall into a trap, be taken captive. And I think about family members, I think about friends that I know don't know Jesus, that don't have the spirit living within them yet, that they can be taken captive and end up doing devil's work. I don't want that for any of them. So Satan is hoping that he can blind the minds of anyone who hasn't trusted in Jesus, and he's trying to trap and capture the rest of us who do. So look at what Paul says then later in 1 Thessalonians 2.18. He says this, for we wanted to come to you, certainly. He's like, I, Paul, I wanted to be there time and time again. But what happened? He says, Satan blocked our way. Satan stopped what we were hoping to do for the Lord. We, he, he got in our way and he blocked it. See, Satan is tirelessly working to block the work of God in your life and especially the work of God through your life. And he's going to use lots of means to do it. He'll use you, he'll use your spouse, he'll use friends, he'll use coworkers, internet, you call it, he's going to use it. He's hoping to block you from following through on the thoughts, on the challenges, on the, the habits of your life that you're trying to cultivate for God's will. Can I be real with you? There's been so many times in my life where I've like walked out of a message even like this, or I left a marriage conference, or walked out of something, or heard something on TV, or heard a song, and it brought me to tears, and I said, God, you know what, I'm going to do this better. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start reading your word daily. I'm going to start... Um, you know, I'm going to start working my kids through your word. I'm going I'm to stop doing whatever this sin might be. I'm going to start setting up some good godly habits in my life. And the moment that thought creeps in my head, man, I get tempted. Something comes across, and, and, and I've kind of started to learn, like the pattern is when I feel like the spirit is moving, like I'm feeling convicted, like I'm feeling challenged or motivated to change something that would honor God, bring others to him, that I just better be on the lookout that as I'm kind of like, hey, I want to start fighting for my marriage again. I want to start praying with my wife. That My kids are probably going to start acting up. They're going to start fighting, maybe fist fighting like happened. Not, not in our family, thankfully. I won't say that. They, they've done that quite a few times too. I was trying to sound like a cool dad there. My kids don't fight, but they, they do. So working on you know, marriage with my wife, we're going to start praying together. My kids will start acting up. So then I, I kind of put this one on hold and I start fighting over here. You got to realize you're going to be attacked from all angles at all times. It's not like I get this one placement and then my marriage is good for life or that my private life is good for life, or that my time in the Word is good, and once I get the plate rolling, man, I'm going to coast as a Christian. You're never going to coast. I heard it this way. You're either growing or you're dying, right? Your walk with Christ is either actively growing or it's becoming moldy, right? It's like a sponge. We soak it up. We're either pouring it out or it's staying within us, and we're just deteriorating. There's lots we could cover with this, but I want to keep rolling here. But I want you to ask the question, what thought, what challenge, what conviction within you right now might Satan be trying to block before it becomes godly action? Think about it. I bet a, I bet a thought just popped in your head. 
What thing have you been thinking about? Like, man, I really, I've been wanting to step out in this way. I've been wanting to start leading in this way. I've been wanting to start serving in this way. I know I should maybe start a life here. I know whatever it is. What godly thought that you know would produce glory for the kingdom and change in the life around you has always been met with an obstacle? Well, if we do that, then we got to give up this. Well, if we do that, then we're, we don't know if we have the money. Well, I don't know if I really want to do that because then people will find out, you know, that imposter syndrome. They'll see who I really am. All these defenses, all these lies, all these excuses, what thought is Satan trying to block before it becomes action in your life? I want to close this with this. The bottom line is that you were born, even though you didn't sign up for it, you were born into a battle. It's an unseen battle between light and darkness, good and evil. There's invisible enemies fighting for our soul at all times. The good news is you were born for victory. With the God who John writes about, greater is he in the world than he, or greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. Right? That's the God that we serve. He is greater than all your struggles. He is greater than all your, your sin. He is greater than the guilt that riddles you day in, day out. So today, I, I, I just want to help build some awareness in the room. Because all of you are fighting a battle. Because I, I know I'm fighting a battle. I'm fighting multiple battles on multiple fronts. And I give in more than I'd like to admit. We are all fighting battles in an invisible war, and we need to be made alert. So my prayer for the last several weeks is, I knew I'd get the chance to speak here and God showed me the scripture, would be Elisha's prayer. God, would you open their eyes today? Would you help them to see the unseen? Would they, would they know that there's, there's more going on than what we can see? Because whatever your battle is, whatever your temptation is, whatever that addiction is that you've been wrestling with, don't do it alone, but realize God who is greater lives within you. It might feel overwhelming. Your marriage might feel like it's already broken, like it's too far gone, like that addiction already has you locked, like all is lost. You might feel surrounded in every area of your life, like, man, I'm just getting beat up everywhere. I'm no good. I'm all the lies. I want you to hear what Elisha said to his servants. Do not be afraid, Elisha answered. Those who are with us, are more than those who are with them. The enemy has plans for your life, but you got to hear today, God's plans are greater. God's plans are stronger. He, he has divine power available for you to demolish, to obliterate the strongholds that have crept in. So today, would you stand with me? We're, the band's going to lead us in a song. This song is more of a victory chant. It's, it's really more of this this cry of what I know God is going to do because there are strongholds that are in all of our lives right now. Identify them. Maybe you do business with God and you're kicking them out of your life. You're claiming the power of Jesus. Maybe you're asking Jesus to save you today. You're talking to somebody. You're, you're coming into faith. I don't know what your battle is today, but I, I promise you, if you'll lean into Christ and realize you're not alone in this fight and that we lean in and we fight God's way. Would you sing this prayer with us right now?